Folks, I was washing Emily and I's bikes after the Festive 504 and, uh, you know, cleaning and drying, really really doing a good, nice rub down and cleaning out the bits and parts and greasing things and oiling things and lubing things. And uh, I ended up with a bunch of like, you know, like grease rags, like oily rags. Yeah. And, you know, at some point you have like that one rag that you constantly clean your chain with, or maybe you like use it to like lube bearings and, and it essentially just becomes one big grease, like entire, it's just coated with grease. Yeah. Right. And my other rags that I use around the house, I'll throw those in the washer, you know, whatever, I'll clean them. But what do you do with a grease soaked rag? I use it until it's so grease soaked that it no longer wipes things off at all and it just spreads grease and then i toss it yeah i i throw mine away pretty early i don't like to have a whole bunch because you're just moving more gunk around then yeah that's all you're doing so you need to have a clean section of rag to be cleaning something with and once you've completely used up all the clean sections that thing is no longer usable so you can't wash it no you don't want to throw that in your washing machine no absolutely not okay emily we might need a new washing machine Well, good evening, and welcome to episode 69 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Sucherio. Well, guys, as I was just saying, the cold open, I we finished the Festive 500 um, recently, although in New Orleans, we called that the Festive 504. That's our area code down here. Um, just encouraging folks to get an extra four kilometers in. That was a new wrinkle this year. How did you guys like the way that played? I thought it was great. Yeah. It worked fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, how that? How, so, it, at this roundtable, who completed the Festive Five Hundred and the Festive Five Hundred Four? I did. I did not. Oh, Matt thought you thought it was the Festive Five or Four. Yeah. And did you do one of those two? I did. I yeah. did. I did. I did way over. Actually, I I really exceeded uh, the number of kilometers. And Bodie, you came pretty close. Yeah. I, oh, you didn't make it. I didn't. I didn't do it. I got oh. 477 kilometers. I'm a little bummed. Uh, I rode every day except one day. Um, I went out for a ride on New Year's Eve to try to. I had 36 miles, and I just didn't care. And so I decided just to goof around in the French Quarter, and then it started raining, and I just rode home, and that was it. I was. So you're not going to get the patch to sew on your jean jacket? <laughs> I'm not going to get the patch to show, sew on my jean jacket. And I do have a jean jacket, and I thought it would be a pretty cool thing to do, but no, um, I didn't do it. Um, but overall, it was, I did ride seven out of the eight days. Uh, I had a lot of fun. I had a, yeah, I mean, I, you know, look, I, this is the third year in a row that I've done it. I, it. When I'm in town, I try to make a point to, to do it. It's a nice way to both end the year and also to start off the following year with a little bit of um, fitness and momentum. Yeah. Kickstart that road fitness. Um, you know, the problem, and, and I presume that this is a reason that Rafa has created this, um, because obviously in New Orleans, we probably benefit from better weather than a lot of places oh, in yeah. late December. Uh, certainly better weather than the UK has this time of year, which is you know where the sort of festive 500 was was bred. 
Uh, but, you know, the problem, of course, is that the weather tends to be pretty awful. And down here, it, we don't so much suffer from the cold. You'd almost rather have the cold down here than what we had this week. What we typically get in that late December is the sort of uh, chilly rain type weather. And we had that in spades this year. There was not a day, other than the first day, which was Christmas Eve, there was not a day where there was uh, even the least bit of sun in the sky. It was overcast, cloudy, foggy, and mostly rainy the whole time. I'm going to challenge you on the chilly part. Mm. It was rainy. It wasn't chilly. Well, I say chilly. We had a couple, chilly, of morning, I mean we had couple of mornings where it started well, we'll, pretty We'll definitely chilly-ish. agree to disagree on that one. I mean, most rides I was just in bibs and a, and a shirt while the rest of you guys were wearing full winter clothes when it was 70 degrees. Well, that, um, was, that was a rain jacket, actually, that I was wearing. That you were sweating in? I was, you were at one point just wearing like a, a crop halter top or something. Uh, I run a little hot, guys. <laughs> I run a little hot. Um, but I have to say, remarkably, as bad as the weather was, most of the water that I was getting was road spray. Yeah. Mm. Of the 508 kilometers that I rode this year, I probably only spent about 10 of those with actual raindrops falling from the sky there were there was misty rain a lot there was fog clouds that that got you damp and there was lots of gritty road spray coming up in your face and getting your bike dirty but Mm. in terms of actual rain falling from the sky uh somehow we managed to to dodge those raindrops well, that, that brings up an interesting point because I had this conversation with a couple of people on the Saturday club ride, which started out kind of pretty rainy and started out with rain. And then as we rode out onto the lakefront, there was a lot of road spray. It was a pretty sizable group, which was impressive for the considering the, the weather conditions and uh, a lot of ra- road spray coming up on everybody. And I remarked that if this was in the UK, a group ride of that size you would seriously be frowned upon for not showing up with what we call mud guards or fenders and a little buddy flap too. Yeah, and it, not just not just one of the little oh uh, no full ass savers. You're full talking guards, about a full, yeah. a full fender. No, an ass saver only saves your ass. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't help anybody else. No. Um, um, and yeah, so it's I mean it's definitely ro- it's winter etiquette there, and a lot of people have a specific winter bike, which will usually be like a cheaper bike and al- and you know aluminum or uh, or a steel bike that's um wait you with, should say aluminium matt well because I, that's one I'm of the doing i'm just what, translating what people like about this podcast well i know is most of our listeners sexy are American. accent of yours with those aluminium, british words an aluminium uh bicycle with uh full mud guards uh yeah so uh yeah that's that's a that's a big deal over i there. gotta say that i actually think that a road bike with full fenders mm. and like a frame pump is like a super like like good look like i want a bike i want to do that to my richie shout out to pete christian Mm. who showed up with a bike with full fenders and a frame pump on the ride this year yeah on the sunny day yeah that's right (laughs) it was the sunniest it was the one sunny day pete had the full the full mud guards before we move on i do want to i do want to say shout out to jason cash cash me outside who in our club on Strava was the number one rider with 724 kilometers. Yeah. There was, uh, looks like there was 11 people in our club who made it over the uh, 500, uh, who completed the festive 500. Trey Bodie, and you had a special challenge I that did. I want you want to talk I about. I did, yeah. I had a special challenge. I thought up and I announced at our Urban South Racing Semi-Tough Second Club Christmas party. Mm. I just had a bunch of awesome stickers and I wanted to make this 
I don't know, make this fun. So my challenge was to get the closest to 504 kilometers without going over. Um, and Alex Comier, with the help of some spreadsheets and some like back of envelope uh, math, got 503.72 kilometers. I'm not so sure he was using the back of an envelope. He's an engineer. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a an actual uh, supercomputer that was doing the calculations that he needed. I mean, he he did send me a photo of an envelope. Yeah. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I stand corrected. And he didn't do anything where he didn't like stop his Garmin in the middle of ride. He started it and stopped at the same spot. He, like it would look like a legit. He timed it perfectly. Wow. Our buddy Chris Nevels had to go out and do an extra two miles down in his driveway just to like, you know, get close. But but he still couldn't do it. He he was he was also at five hundred three. But Alex Comier got like an extra point two kilometers. Interesting that you set up a challenge which was specifically designed to keep people from completing the five (laughs) hundred four challenge. That was my only issue with it. Yeah, I felt like I sort of had to go ahead and get five hundred four since we created this whole festive 504 i didn't want to wind up with 503 and well, change no I, th- I think i said that 504 exactly on the dot counted okay 504.1 would be over wow but 503.99 would be the ultimate sting tantric 504 right it's like you just go right to the edge but not yeah. quite there yeah you yeah edge it yeah. So somebody told me um, that they would have done the Festive 500, but the uh, weather was too bad, and that kept them from riding the 500 kilometers, uh, to which I responded, that's the whole point. Yeah. Mm. Right? Do you want to shame this person on air? No. No names. No names. Okay. We'll just shame them off air. Probably a dentist. Yeah. But I, I, they, that's, this is why the, they don't do the Festive 500 in the middle of the balmy <laughs> summer. <laughs> This wasn't somebody who showed up to the Saturday ride and then vanished. Uh, It wasn't. No, No. okay. All right, right, well, speaking of festive things, uh, Mm. this time period, also kind of the same time period from about December 22nd to January 2nd was, there is a name for this period in Belgium. Yeah. And I cannot think of it. Well, if they had any sense, they would clearly call it Christopher Crossmas. Absolutely. Um, or whatever the Belgian equivalent of that is, yeah. Uh, because that, in essence, is what it is. It is cross at Christmas. Wait, which, so do, does no one know what it's called? I no. don't know what it's called. I really don't. Oh my gosh! Wow. Okay. Well, maybe we'll. Have I always to. just thought it was referred to as the festive cyclocross period. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't um, know what the. Uh, I thought no one put it in the agenda because you guys are being funny. No, okay. I don't know the name of it. Okay, it's like called. It's like it's a Christ. Period. It's a Christ. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to call it Christopher Crossmas. Yeah. Christopher Crossmas. From here on That's out. That's the English translation. It shall be known as Christopher Crossmas. Yeah. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Christopher Crossmas in Europe, uh, mostly in Belgium. Uh, eight races in Belgium. There were a few races in France and Switzerland and Luxembourg that you could also go to kind of the same day. Uh, two World Cups. Mm-hmm. We had some Dave Aves. We had some other standalone races. Some Brico. There's Brico. Brico. Yep. Uh, a lot of North Americans went over, so it was pretty fun to follow along with people yep. like 
uh, Kerry Warner and uh, lots and lots of Americans this year. That was really good to see so many. Yes, yeah, Stephen Hyde, Ellen Noble was there for the Cups. Uh, Curtis we, White was there. Curtis White, Tyler Cloutier, Rebecca Berenger, Gage Hecht. Um, yeah, but, like, Nationals are done, so now they can Sonny all Gilbert. go race in Europe. Sonny Garrett, mm. Sonny Gilbert, Courtney McFadden. Anyway, big group. Yep. Um, a lot of races. We're not going to get into the the nitty gritty of all of them, but we have you know. Maybe some highlights from a few of them. I mean, we had two World Cups. We had Namor and Zolder. Yep. And I just want to point out that both of those races, both first Namur and then Zolder, both broke the record for the amount of women in the elite race. It was like 84, and then the next World Cup, it was like 87. That's right. 84 mm-hmm. in Namor and 87 in Zolder. Huge fields. Super awesome. I mean, that sort of is fitting with the theme of this year and women's racing. So that's just that was really cool to see. And it brings up an interesting question: Is when do the women get a U twenty three World Cup race? A separate U twenty three? Yeah, separate race. Because yeah. they do field. race a U twenty three women's right. race, but they combine the fields. Yeah. Uh, you know, I tell you what: with eighty seven uh, entries, and I don't know how many of those were were U twenty three. Um, but it's got to be getting close to the to the tipping point. I mm-hmm. think probably the consideration is less the field size and more the room in the schedule for that race. Um, but yeah, you know, they could just yeah. start a little bit earlier. I mean, the the elite right. races don't go off the until man. the afternoon, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, hope that that they would do that. Interestingly, you know, some of the U twenty three women are very competitive amongst the the field at large. I mean, uh, last year's winner was a U twenty three racer. That's right. Uh, unfortunately, um, Evie, Richards. Evie Richards wasn't there this year. She uh, had a knee injury, and her season is over, which is a real bummer. Uh, she's got to have uh, surgery on her knee, uh, so that's that's kind of a big yeah. blow. Yeah. Do you think? Was she? Do we know if she was going to race the elites this year? the world championship that's a good question i don't know uh, yeah I've she no won the world she won u23s last year she did i feel like she would have raced up um so namur and zolder i can never remember what those ones are but now now i know that namur is the long off camber rutted section that's right around the, the citadel starts out so at the top of the Nemur hill is at the castle yep it's got the crazy long it starts in the middle of the lap right that's right yeah um, yeah, and the, then Zolder is at the racetrack, a, a former Formula One racetrack in Belgium, uh, and it it uses parts of the pit of the racetrack mm-hmm. as the start finish, and then it goes up into a wooded section on the hill um, above the race course. So it's got a bit of everything, uh, and and lots of little steep ramps and cool stuff it's a it's a great course and one of the key moments of it which we'll remember from the world championships a few years ago at zolder was the moment that van der Poel and vanette got tangled up in that very sort of that that key part of the course where there's the two lines across that section uh that you can take into a into a right-hander that's a camber off camber section. It's right? an off camber 180 turn yeah. that leads into a section that has and there's two a high lines. line, a low line. That's right. Do you guys they, know that 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 part of that course was the very there was a CX Hairs Spendness video. It was very first all year about that section. About that. That was the very first video I ever watched about cross. Mm. And it, and it was about that incident specifically. Yeah. No, it was about that corner. Yeah. Sven taking that corner. 
Interesting. Um, way back in uh, 2013. Anyway. Well, the women's race at, at Zolder, speaking of Zolder, was a real cracker. Um, it uh, Marianne Voss won the race, but it was a heads-up sprint with Lucinda Brand and Santa Cant. Santa Cant was a, a little bit off the back, but boy, what a fantastic finish. Uh, and... Uh, you know, came down to came down to a dead sprint, and Marianne Voss uh, won it. I tell you though, Lucinda Brand over the Chris, the Christopher Crossmas period has really, I think, established herself as a. Um, this is one of my takeaways from the from the festive week. Yeah, Lucinda Brand has really established herself as a a, a true contender for the women's uh, yeah. world championships. She of course won no more. One uh, more in in emphatic style, really, didn't she? Uh, yeah, yeah, very impressive. Came back and finished second, just barely to uh, to uh, Marianne Voss in uh, Zolder, and then uh, won, I believe the uh, the next race, the Dave Ave series in uh, Azincross, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would say going into the you know, going into this last couple World Cup races and and heading toward a month away from the uh, World Championships, she is she's looking like a a prime contender for the for the World Champs. As well, is Voss. I mean, she looks great when she shows up to race. She's always on form, and she's really only showing up for the World Cups. Yeah, and, she's only and, doing the World right. Cups and World occasional other races. No, just she's just doing World Cups from here on out, World Champs, and then her nationals. Okay. Which is uh, coming up next week. And I just want to piggyback. And so she'll be up against Brand there in her nationals. And Worst. Uh, yeah. Who was third in that race. Um, and Denise Betsima. Who's also yeah. uh, Ooh, Denise Betsima. Dutch women. So, I mean, and uh, Vandestein. Alvarado. That's right. Although she may be racing U23s. Mm. So anyway, I mean, I think that sort of like looking at the festive period, looking at the season, looking into worlds, I mean... We've had we'd had we've had Voss who kicked out the World Cups. Mm-hmm. We had Kim Vanistein who had some big wins. We've had Burger Time. We've had Brand. Kant has got a couple of victories. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to say another trend of this festive period is that she has really started rounding into form. She's starting to look like yeah. she means business now. Finally, I oh, mean, it's Sa- been a, Sana definitely means business right now. Yeah, yeah, she's so. It's just been great because you never quite know who's going to win these women's races. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been so exciting this year. Really excited. I mean, my midseason pick was worst was going to win national. I mean, the world championships. Now I want to say brand. But oh. I mean, I don't really know. I, I have another name to throw at you. Yolanda Neff. Sure. She came through and no won her first race. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. And then she won the next day. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. She Bunny won. hopping the barriers. Um, just freaking shredding right she had a did she finally have a front row start i don't think she had a front row row. start yeah second Second row second row but uh gp sven nice is very wide open uh, blazing course oh and she she got the whole shot yeah from the second row that's um, that's pretty that's a pretty interesting and cool feat in and of itself to get the to get the whole shot from the second row yeah so that's yeah i mean that's gonna be there's another woman uh there's a i think it's an austrian woman who's also bunny hopping the barriers uh, Heigl? Heigl, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. there's a, I think there's another woman. Uh, so that's just, that's cool to see, man. It's really evolving. And I think it'll be a couple of years. It'll be just like the men's race where that's, you just have to bunny hop the bear. It's going to be the norm. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, any thoughts on men's races? I mean, I, I know let's let's talk about Degum. That's kind of a unique race. That was um, the night race. Oh, such a great race. Fantastic I love, race. I love that course. I love. There should be more night races. They should all be night races. That's that's how. Well, I feel. they should all be night races because it's easier for us to watch. Exactly. Them. We don't have to get up at six thirty in the morning. Although it's probably easier to watch them when they're at six in the morning. In but we can go out for our ride yeah. and then watch the yeah. and then come the home. Race. Yeah. yeah. So Degum that kind of through a small village. They use up a little parkland. They go through the, the streets, the cobbled yeah. streets. I mean, uh, little, it's just like, a beautiful, beautiful alleyways. Yeah. Yeah. They setting. supplemented the set, beautiful setting with an amazing cable cam that traverses. I that mean, cable cam is just brilliant. Feels like it had went multiple directions. Yes, it definitely twisted and turned. It was not a. It was not just in one plane. It it went down one of the straightaways. It followed him around a curve. It kind of came up and over some stuff. I mean, it 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 was almost as if someone. It's a feature was, in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was almost like someone was flying a drone, perfectly down the exact same line every time. But clearly, it was it was uh, a camera that was hooked. And to that a, and that race started off uh, a, a lot. It was a fast race. A lot of a lot of people at the front, and there was this off camera section that it was mm. Benny Hill ish. Bananas is yeah. what that was. And that First bananas, lap because you came coming. into it hot. And yeah. if you weren't ready for it, it just you would just lose your front wheel or rear wheel or both wheels. An interesting, like I read something. Somebody said the High Line actually had some roots up there, and it was like you had to power super hard over it, otherwise it would just throw you back down. Yeah, because I was thinking you wanted to be high, and then you dove for the corner. Yeah, and like wow, and like people were trying to climb through the midline, and they were just falling down and mm-hmm. it was nothing. You saw some of the women or some of the racers were just immediately dismounting and running the entire section. And, well, if you and were in a crowd, faster. it was the, probably the smarter move a lot of the time, yeah. and it wasn't necessarily any slower. But definitely the high line and then taking that late dive bomb down into the corner was was the most effective if you could carry it off. But even even Vanderpol himself, you know, uh, couldn't get it all the, to- all the way all the time. I tell you what, though, when he got it, Oh, he just rode that thing. It just was a masterclass in in bike handling to to watch him ride through there. And 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 a few other of the men got it dialed in toward the you know second, third, fourth, fifth lap. Were really riding it well, and it was uh, it was really a thing of beauty well, after watching of, so many of the people women struggle had so it really hard. Dialed too, you know. That oh, right, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. It, it wasn't wasn't just the men. Speaking of Vanderpool, you know Vanderpool. He's he's a cross racer. He's a mountain bike racer. He's a road racer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Degum, I think we see that he could be like a free safety slash cornerback in American football. <laughs> yeah, um, he really went for that Ronnie Lott helmet down spear. Well, you know that's, the, a le- uh, that's an illegal. That would be an illegal, illegal move now. <laughs> that's true. That's your little throwback to the '90s there. So yeah, what we're talking about is the incident where uh, Matthew Vanderpoel was in the lead of the race. He got a bad start in that race, but he worked his way up through the field, as of course he was always going to do after a tough start. And was in front, uh, and uh, course marshal on a sort of a the inside of a slightly blind uh, corner. Not uh, sure what he was doing. Not there exactly at all. sure what he was doing there. Grabbing either. some sunglasses. Uh, is that what happened? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So he was out almost in the middle of the course, at least two or three feet out onto the left side of the course, and Vanderpoel was taking that line and had his head down and came around the corner, and uh, I guess he saw it probably at the very last minute. 
but he hit him pretty hard. Oh, yeah. And it looked like, you know, you would call that in, in, in American football like a stinger, you know, where you spear somebody with your head and you so your head kind of um, bends forward real fast and hard. And he looked a little bit dazed. Yeah. He uh, grabbed his neck. Uh, Van Turnout went around him um, and uh, got back on his bike and... uh, Promptly caught Van Turnout and that was... And that was it. That was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Marshall was not a not a small man. He was no, uh, he's a big guy. Yeah, he was a, he was a bit of a, a, a bit of a unit defensive think, lineman. A bit of a he? unit is what unit. Uh, they, the GCN commentators been, were saying. <laughs> yeah. He might have been a tight end. Uh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, a very a couple notable things that I had written um, uh, about Deegan real quick before we move on. Uh, very patient victory for Sana Kant. Mm. Uh, she didn't get a great start. She just rode her race. And uh, very patiently worked her way up through the field. Well, that and race is pretty good. At the end, there was like four women all together oh, oh, going fantastic for that race. superb last finish. corner before the stairs. Yeah, and she just yep. She made sure she was first into that last corner. Yeah, you needed to stairs. be. Yep, you needed to be for yep. sure. Uh, also, hats off to GCN for for the coverage of not just that race, but. All of the races uh, that they that they broadcast over this festive period, it was yeah. very nice to um, to basically just be able to uh, pull up the GCN Facebook page and and anytime you wanted to watch it, it was you know live when it was live, or it was a, a you know you could access it uh, on demand after the race was over. Mm-hmm. Really fantastic. Uh, they did a great job commentating and and covering it. They brought Helen Wyman in for Degum. Uh, I think she was sitting in her bedroom in her pajamas, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> with a pair of Apple headphones on um, yeah. and her uh, FaceTime camera. Um, the J-Pal there for Baal. J-Pal yep, for Baal, which was great. And they uh, they also, they've had um, Meredith Miller on before. Uh, yeah. They, and they, they do usually... a, a great segment uh, in the downtime in between the women's race and the men's race. They do the uh, segment with Matt, you you know her name, the woman who... Emma Pooley. Uh, yeah, Emma Pooley right. with Emma, Pooley. Emma Learning Cross. Uh, teaching Emma how to ride cyclocross, which, yep. is, which is very interesting and, and fun. It's just uh, fun to see. Um, night racing, as we've said, is just awesome. There should be more of it. Of course, with night racing uh, goes uh, night drinking, and that uh, tended to... There was lots of, lots of smoke puffing up from the crowds and uh, rowdy fans. Uh, I guess that's cool. Uh, Helen Wyman was saying you can, you can smell the alcohol at... Uh, at, I, at I'm at sure Diego. you can. So what's up with GCN uh, broadcasting these for free? I mean, you also have flow bikes, mm-hmm. which we're paying for at my house, and then you've got Trek. So Trek... And GCN were broadcasting the same race. Uh, the track you had, all no, three of them were. This, I, mean, I don't know. How does that's that seems like that's going to be. A, yeah, that's a subject for a different podcast or a, so. or a different different uh, you know different discussion altogether. What GCN's uh, revenue model is, I don't know, but I like it. You know, right now they're throwing a lot of free content out there, yeah. uh, and clear, they've got clear, commentary. Yeah, clearly they're making some pretty big moves. I mean, they've they've done a lot. I've seen stuff in in various like cycling trade stuff about um, GCN hiring you know hiring people, lots of positions open and things well, like they, that. They're so. now broadcasting in Spanish and Italian. Uh, you know, they're they're really expanding their their markets. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, obviously, there's a revenue. There's revenue at the end of that somehow, but I don't. I don't know how they arrive at it. So one other highlight of the, uh, I think it's Cursta period. Mm, uh, that sounds about right. Cursta period. Anyway, yeah. Stevie, 
Stybar has been racing. Yes. Did most of these races. Um, sometimes at the back, slowly working his way up. Um, yep. I don't know. His highest position might have been like 13th or maybe 16th or I don't yeah. know. He's not really at the front of these races, but he at the GP7 Nice was uh, laying out some sick airs. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's great to see him. He actually got pretty high up uh, there, and then kind of—I think he was sort of—you know—he was definitely in top ten, and then ten, and I think he faded towards the end. Maybe he was pulling too many sick airs. I on think the- he was closer to top five. It may not have been in in Ball, but in one of these festive races, he yeah. was he was up near the front at one point. Um, shortly after the start, you know, he got a great start in yeah. in, 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 in one of them. Um, I think it's great to see him for a couple reasons. Uh, one, just because he's a legend, he's a he's a, a former world champion. Um, he is a, just a hell of a showman, as you alluded to, Bodie, getting big airs. Um, it's also nice because he tends to be in these races, getting a lot of coverage, right, from yeah. the European cameramen. And yeah. because of the fact that he's in that sort of mid-teen area, we've seen a lot of the American racers that we don't normally see in these races because they're riding near uh, Stebar, and he's getting coverage. So we've seen a bit more of the Gage Hex, the Stephen Hyde right. um, on some of these uh, threads. And that's just nice, you know, to see people that you and I, Bodie, saw in person um, a couple weeks ago in Louisville to see them, you know, in, racing in Europe on the European coverage. So I feel like Hyde's had some pretty good races uh, recently. I mean, like some pretty, you know, not amazing, but uh, pretty yeah. decent results. I don't, I don't, I think he, I think he got, he may have gotten a top 20. Yeah, yeah, nothing, I don't know. Top 20 is not a bad thing. Look, I'm not disparaging it at all. I'm just, he got a top uh, 15 at Worlds last year. Yeah. I mean, look. I mean, I think it's uh, you. We you, we see these Townsend, specifically you and I saw these people race uh, the Americans race at nationals, and they seem so fast and so dominating. And and then they go to Europe, and you're just like, where are they? And there is part of it, maybe like this inbred um, to a fault American exceptionalism, and we think that you know, you know. Americans are so good at everything and like, yeah, we're not. And that's kind of refreshing. But then also you're like, you're like, come on, like get up there. Like mm. what's going on? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, tough season for Hyde. So I really, I don't kind of, I don't fault him for not, you know, getting I, I top mean, 10s doing... top 15s. I think he's riding strong. It's just. Well, yeah. he beats Denick Stebar in the first race that Stebar raced. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, none of us will ever do that. <laughs> that's highly, that's very true. That's there are plenty unlikely. of things I will never get fiftieth at a Belgian cross race. Um, but speaking of champs and speaking of uh, American champs, I just one last thought. Um, just going back to Katie Compton, her amazing co- accomplishment of winning fifteen times in a row, which blows my mind. Still, I just can't believe it. What if? Here's a question I pose to you. What if she retires? before anyone can beat her. So she retires unbeaten, which means that mm. Ellen Noble, so the next U.S. women's champ, they'll win They'll win the Stars and Stripes, but they won't win it against Compton. In other words, they won't have an opportunity to beat her for the jersey. Yeah, I mean, mm. I, I feel like that would be, I don't know. I can, I can imagine that they those, like Katie Keogh, Ellen Noble, um, you know, Sonny Gilbert, those women would like to win it with Compton there. 
Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's the old, you got, you know, in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. Um, and right now she's the best in the U.S. for sure. I, I mean, I can't see her quitting yet. I know. So, I, so I, I can see her being there next year. They have another chance. Yeah. She had a podium finish in one of these festive races this week. I yep. can't remember which one it was, but she was on the podium. Uh, it might have been Asencross. It wasn't uh, Asencross. Or Bredena. Yes. Yeah. That's what it was. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, on the men's side, you know, same old, same old. For the most part, um, MVDP is winning races. He's even winning races uh, when running into course marshals. Uh, he's winning races when he crashes himself out, mm. uh, as he did in the GP Sven Nice. He hit a hit a rut and went over the handlebars and bent his bars around, and it took him a good 15, 20 seconds to get his bike straightened out. And, and then it took him how long to get back to the front? Lap and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's trying his hardest to beat himself, but uh, not succeeding. And um, Wout won a race, his first race in a while, but it was a race that uh, Vanderpool didn't show up at. Right. Um, you know, one could say that Wout might be getting a little closer to MVDP in some of the finishes, you know, but but then, you know, yeah. Vanderpool turns around yeah, and, and barely, you know, has of. a stinging victory where he beats everybody by over a minute, including Wout. So. You got to say that Vanderpool has had some good luck this year. He's had some good luck. And he's, well, I mean, he's... Luck yeah, doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever. And I, I feel like the only person that can beat Vanderpool is Vanderpool. I agree. He's, he's... Oh, well, except for world champions. Wout's going to beat him. Well, mm. maybe Vanderpool will beat himself so Wout can win. I mean, look, Vanderpool thrashed everybody on that course last year. But yeah, maybe he's going to have his curse of worlds again. I don't think he's going to have it this year. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to win Worlds. It would. I think it would kind of be a disappointment if he doesn't, honestly. Because no, he is the best. I think we all want him to win. He is the best. It's like he, he deserves just, it. Yeah, get it over with, right? Like Just yeah. just go ahead and win Yeah. so you can quit. <laughs> he's not going to quit yet because he's going to want at least a third one because Wout's got three. Yeah, that's well, true. We've got some good battles behind him. And again, you know, anything can happen, so... You know, nobody really is, uh, you know, showing that at this point they're on the up and up enough to to um, get over. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Toon Toon can beat Wout. We've yeah. seen Toon. No, beat- that's pretty close battle for second there. Uh, Michael Venternout's also there. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is. You have Vanderpool, and then you know the group down below. Uh, before we move across, I do want to give a special shout out to Helen Wyman who organized the. I believe it at Lowenhout. Yeah, the uh, junior women's UCI race, which they don't have. Right, and I don't know. Big turnout for it too. Yeah, it was a hundred, something like a yeah, like a like a hundred junior like a, women races. Yeah, at a UCI race, um, trying to show that a there are women juniors who who are there to do it, and b that you, this is what race promoters need to do. Unfortunately, it had to take Will and Helen to pay for this to make it happen. Um, but what I heard is that a lot of the um, Sven Nice, Bart Willens, Niels Albert were all at the race watching this mm-hmm. race looking for the next big thing. Yep. Because as we've seen, the women's race racing, the ratings are good. I mean, like, sponsors are loving it. Like, it's it's becoming profitable. So, well, yeah, interestingly, the men's racing, the numbers are going down. At the G, at the GP Svenness, the, the men's numbers were down for Belgian viewership. 
Yeah, which is, I mean, you you watch the first two laps and then you go kind of tinker around and kind of you, you know, wait you wait till Vanderpol has made his move and then uh, you go do do some shopping. Go, maybe you go wash your own bike. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna just put this out there right before we close. And I don't have any uh, data to back this up. <laughs> Love but it. I'm so this pretty, is a steaming take. It's not a steaming take. It's a thought. And the thought is, I think I remember hearing Helen Wyman talking about a junior woman bunny hopping barriers in the junior race that she set up. I think so. Yes. I think I remember. And I remembered them mentioning a, mentioning a name. And it's a, a name that we may have even shout out here shouted out here on the podcast in the past and i cannot remember mm-hmm. the woman's name but uh she's a a, a believe a belgian junior and and she's uh, bunny hopping barriers anyway that sounds about right well i mean i know both her wyman and uh and also nikki bramier have been uh bringing over a lot of like young british races uh this year to to race those belgian races and uh Look out for Harriet Harden in the future. She's still only 17 or something now. Uh, still crazy young. And uh, Well, she got on the podium of that, of that junior race. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, uh, she's a big talent. So, yeah, I think she's going to do well. All right, folks. Well, let's move on from cross and transition to a little bit of road. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of those... It's a special kind of road, kind of an alternative road that we're talking is about it, is it off-road there's some road um so kind of the bigger news in the off-season preseason road uh area is that uh, ef cannondale i don't know what their freaking name is we don't know what they're gonna be called i think this year no, i it's, saw it's they're e- still just called i think now they're just ef education first yeah i think so um well, but they announced their alternative road calendar mm-hmm. uh Dirty Kanza, Leadville, Three Peaks, and the Taiwan Hill Climb. So these are events that there are these are off the World Tour calendar, and these are events that they're going to be sending people to. And this is their this is their partnership with Rafa, and specifically Rafa's sort of adventure cycling uh, side of things uh, that has created this alternative season for. EF Cannondale. They're not along with their regular world tour schedules. Yeah, of course. They're. I mean, they're still essentially and predominantly a world tour road cycling team. Yeah, they're going to be sending not an entire team, but you know, a a few riders, I presume, to Mm -hmm. each of these events. Um, I think we could probably imagine maybe who some of those or one of those at least might be. Uh, Not not positive, but um, I mean. Quick thoughts. If we just take them, take them in order. Dirty Kanza. You know, we had Yuri Hauswald on the podcast yeah. a few months ago uh, at, on the heels of DK this year, um, and you know there was already a bit of controversy being stirred up as a result of the sort of proification of these amateur gravel events um, because you know allegations un- of drafting your teammates or spouses or whatever yeah, and, and, and all that kind of stuff even beyond that just sort of pro athletes showing up and kicking mm-hmm. ass and taking names at at these amateur events um you know because these really these events definitely got started as as purely amateur events right well i mean so i saw ted king commenting about it uh yesterday i mean ted king's won it a couple of times now twice twice yeah i mean when is a pro not a pro if you're no longer 
signed to a pro team, you're suddenly no longer a pro. He's still a he, uh, he was good enough to ra- race in the world tour for okay, many years, right? right? But a but a member of a world yes. tour cycling team showing up with the support of said world tour cycling team. We don't know well, doing, how much the support it's going to be. Well, obviously I mean, there's there's within there's DK has rules, so sure. I, I don't I don't mean to suggest that they're going to bend the rules and have you know right have have support along the way. People raise the question like, are they going to have to also apply for the lottery, right? Because you have to you have to apply to be in the dirty cans you can't just get in yeah i mean i don't know how that's going to work i would but, hope so you know, but 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 a member of a, U, a a uci world tour cycling team is certainly a pro by anyone's definition i mean that is the, that is the the, well, the the definition of a pro also, and i don't just I, i'm wondering how people feel about uh, i mean i think it's i think it's cool for the attention for sure and it's cool that 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 cannondale's going to to do this stuff and and if, with the right attitude it could be really awesome I also seem to remember that UCI World Tour pros, I don't know, maybe that the rules have changed, were not actually allowed to race yeah, they in got, non. They changed that they rule. They changed that rule, yeah. 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 That, that's why they're doing these stuff. Here, so here, here's my here's my take on all of it. I don't really want to get into all these races and, and, and thoughts. Here, here, this is what's going to happen. Mm. This, is, this is my take. These So we're going to have more pros shifting over to gravel. There'll be... As, at, at some point, there will be World Tour Gravel. Gravel World Tour. Okay. Yeah. And well, then, we kind of almost, we're almost there anyway, we're right? We're getting there. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of racers are adding the gravel. Um, and then at some point, you know what's going to be like the new cool thing? Road cycling. Hmm. Skinny tires. <laughs> yeah. Smooth tarmac roads. Yeah. Oh, this is like teams that. of eight. So it's going to get to the point the pendulum's going to swing so far in yeah, that gravel yeah. direction that guys are going to suddenly go like, "Wow, racing bikes is really cool." You know what would be really really cool is if we smoothed out these roads <laughs> and put more psi in our tires, mm. and then we could fast. really go fast. Yeah. Yeah. And like then 19, how exciting would those races? Nineteen be? mil tires, one hundred and sixty psi. So yeah, and then it's like, and our races are done in like four hours. We're not out there for the entire day yeah um and then so my whole idea is that so like all the pros will go to these sort of like alternative gravel events and then so you'll have like you'll have amateur guys winning um you know tour of california and uh you know tour of redlands or whatever it'll be like more right. amateur friendly well, that's my terrible so, take <laughs> no i i i i think i think hey it all moves around doesn't it it's it does. like what's yeah. the, this is the fad right now there was a time back back in the day in the 80s and early 90s when mountain biking was huge yeah and uh it isn't anymore well I mean, it's coming it, back though it's coming back now and we maybe have a brief moment mentioning something about that but yeah uh one thing i mean like okay so one of the one of the big events they've got on here is taiwan hill climb and not this this last not this last year, but the year before, Vincenzo Nibali turned up with how many Gregarios working for him on that to do that. So they're not doing anything that's not already been done. And yeah. that Taiwan hill climb is not a world tour pro event. But well, sure. Uh, I mean, Joe Joe Dombrowski did Leadville. I wouldn't. Mean, Lance did Leadville yeah. right in the mid two thousands. Right. So yeah, they're not. These are not new things, but we're trending towards more of them mm-hmm. um so three peaks is interesting to me uh that is a cyclocross race in the uk correct it is yeah it's about 40 miles um so it's not 
it's you know it's not a regular cyclocross race. And I've heard that four miles of, of the parkour are is on unrideable. Foot. Yes, yeah. completely unrideable. There is one that's about it. The first thing, which is I think up uh, Ingleboro, is basically straight uphill, and a guy who's won most of it the last years is a guy who's a what we call a fell runner. He's a fell runner, but also a great, you know, um, so bike it's, rider. He it, could, it, he's a really good runner. It's basically a 36-mile bicycle race and a 5K road race mm, while carrying of, a bike. I wouldn't call it a road race. A 5K <laughs> running road race. Well, most people aren't. There's only one or two guys that are actually able to run it. Right. Yeah. You well, are, it's, it's you also in England, bike. so there's probably a swim, right, because it is raining. So it's, it's pretty much a triathlon. It's yeah, it's a full on. It's 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 an extreme triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, look, I think I'm into it. Whatever, like it's all kind of fun. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm and actually, I think it would be cool if there were more all gravel pro road races. Yeah. Like I'm into that. Totally. I don't have a problem with that. Like, uh, and it can be different from your bike packing extreme. 500 mile self-supported like you can like strada bianchi but even more yeah i mean strada bianchi is one of the best races on the world tour calendar it's fantastic let's get more gravel crits i uh yeah like can you imagine like 60 people like Hmm. whipping around like gravel turns yeah i don't think the team managers would be a huge huge fans of that i was watching uh you know, uh, well, no, you'll have a specific gravel criterium, like people you like only do gravel criteriums. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got, uh, I've just got one question to, uh, to wrap this whole segment, uh, mm. up about Rafa EF Cannondale in the alternative season. And that question is Tay Tay, what tires you're running in DK? Come on. Let's talk about tires. Baby. Let's talk about FMB. Let's talk about all the good things that gator skin. Tires. Gravel is coming up. It's coming here, Louisiana. I'm going to try and do at least one or two of them if I can, if I can fit them into my schedule. Uh, you're already signed up, Townsend. I yeah, I've, uh, I've already worked out my gravel season uh, with my uh, director sportif. <laughs> uh, I'll be doing the um, Hattiesburg and uh, Ridgeland uh, races in the Mississippi Gravel Cup. Mm-hmm. which is two of the four gravel cup races. And then I will be doing the dead man gravel grind, which is also in Ridgeland, uh, not a part of the Mississippi gravel cup series that's sponsored by the bike crossing. And, uh, I'm already signed up for that one. And, uh, there's a, there's a masters uh, 50 to 59 oh. category this year. So I'm signed up for that and I'm very excited about it. And I will be running, uh, the Panaracer gravel King SK tubeless 32 mil tires 32 okay not going bigger than that i'm gonna go with the 32s i figure if i wanted to go bigger i would just run my existing wtb cross bosses because mm. uh, the you know the knobs are a little uh, d- definitively smaller on the the panaracer um sk gravel kings it's a it's a micro knob they sort of call it it's not yeah. uh, it's not a file tread but it's not a knobby tire I think it's going to be perfect uh, for the for those races. Okay, so that is that is my answer, Matt. All right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if if I do get to do any of them, I've heard that the uh, the Hattiesburg one is uh, 
kind of got some gnarly stuff. A lot of I, sand. I rode it on my cross bike with Griffos last year, yeah. and um, had you did definitely didn't have too much tread. Let's put it to you that way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, you. I was glad I had all the tread I had. Hmm. Is that because it was it sandy or it was uh, wet, muddy, and slick? Oh, okay. So if it gets wet, you definitely want some knobs at least on the shoulders. Well, I'm gonna. I, I have some options to run. Then I've got my I've got my typhoons that I can run, and I've also got um, I've got my Bon John John Bon Jovi's for uh, something that's a little bit of a smoother, more road slash gravel course you got sort of a dry and a wet option yeah i've got a dry and a wet option already but i'm i am also intrigued by the sks but 32 seems so small to me it seems so skinny i don't know i maybe go for a slightly uh, plumper uh version of that tire i do like the fact that it comes with a uh, green tread as well you can get that with the green tread. you can also get it with a tan tread mm, I don't know so sort it. of a, almost a whitish white sort tread, of tread. Yeah. yeah interesting yep. well i'm gonna go gator skins Okay. Road, road bike. If it's dry, I'm going the road bike. Gator skins. I thought you were gonna gonna stick with your tried and true and blown out Terreno dries. Exactly. I'm gonna stick with my tried and true <laughs> Terreno dries. I'm a cross bike. Yep. That's all I got. I mean, so that's what I'm gonna run with a brung. All right. Um. So that this actually leads us to some. We have a little viewer mail. Hmm. So Townsend, or you know what? Who wants to read this? Uh, I'll read it. Why not? All right. Uh, where do we have it here? I know I've got it somewhere. I got it pulled up, so I'll read it. Okay, you read the first one. So we, yeah, so we actually have a few. So this is from a friend of the podcast, JD White. Um, he is sent us sent me a message. He called. He said, "Will you take a viewer text?" So yes, JD, we're taking your viewer text. Looking for some tire advice, and thought I would go straight to the pros. Thank you, thank you. I'm looking for a tubular tire. I think he means tubeless. Hmm. Um, to go on my brand new tubeless ready Shimano RS wheels. I'll be running running tubeless, and I can't get anything wider than 25 because of clearance. This hmm. is on a Cannondale road bike. I commute around 20 miles a day, round trip, three to five times a week in really wet weather. Rip City, Portland. I don't race or really take it out on the rides besides my commute. I've been saving those rides from a mountain bike. So I'd rather lean towards a tire that will handle cuts and punctures better than a light and fast tire that may help me in the hills. I put on the Hutchison Fusion 5 performance tires, but I was wondering if you recommended something else. I only went with these because the shop didn't have another tubeless option. Thanks Mm. for the help. Sincerely, totally tubeless. Uh, JD, thanks for that text. Um, I'm going to pass it off to Matt because I have no idea about tubeless. Uh, well, 25 is, is obviously a huge disappointment that that's the maximum you can run. Uh, so get a new bike is your first, uh, first recommendation. First, yeah. Obviously, as always, obviously get a bike that fits 28 because <laughs> that's what everybody should be on. But, I can, but, but assuming, assuming you stick with your same bike, JD, yeah. uh, you're, you're, you're hemmed into 25s. Yeah. That's tough with tubeless There are not a whole lot of great tubeless options in that size. Uh, there are, okay, a few to reel off. Uh, the Fusion, um, I think, is a pretty fast one. Yeah. The one that you've got. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good one he's got going already. It's a pretty good tire. I would run that for a while, and if you start to have any problems with it, you could possibly go to the Intensive, which is probably a little bit more of a durable. Is that also a Hutchinson? Hutch, also a Hutchinson. Okay. Hutchinson um, Intensive. Yeah, okay. but... I mean, the big Mac Daddy that we're all waiting for, and it is available now in a 25, is the GP5000 
a TLR. Of course, at this point, JD could probably afford a used bike on Craigslist that would fit 28s for the price of a set of GP 5000s. They are not cheap. Yeah, they're not cheap. And, they're, and, and those are more of a racy tire, right? I mean, so so. Can he get a gator skin in tubeless? No. Can't get that's a tubeless he, I feel like that's what he so wants. That's a, gator skin is antithetical to the whole idea of tubeless. No, where, but he wants a tough commuter tire. Yeah, so he's not here, racing. Here's where the market is calling out for a tire that doesn't exist from a company that could easily produce it. And I'm referring to the Panaracer Gravel King Slick. Mm. Not the SK with the knobs. The Gravel King. They I, do not make the Gravel King tubeless in anything less than a 32. Well, the problem, I think, Panarasa only do one tubeless casing, and it's a pure road racing casing for um, that they're doing. And I think they only do that in a 25. That's right. And a it's a race tire. It's, it's a, a race it's tire. It's a true race tire that doesn't have a whole lot it of no protection. Tread. I think it has zero tread on it and, and very little protection. So and if so, they could split the difference between that and the, the, then the Gravel King in the 32... Uh, get a good cut and puncture resistant casing going, and put it in a in a tw- and make in, in a twenty five and a twenty eight compete with that Hutchinson with yeah. a little bit better flat protection. That would be that's a tire that doesn't exist, JD. But if it did, I would recommend that. <laughs> well, somebody needs somebody. Yeah, I mean that's why you know I go with the Sector twenty eight. It's like the the best kind of all rounder uh, tubeless road so tire that there is. They don't make that in twenty five. They don't. It's, no, it's only okay. a twenty eight. So he's got the fusion that he has on. If not. Yep. Possibly the Hutchinson Intensive. The Intensive, it would be the only other 25 other than... There's also the Schwalbe Pro 1, but I wouldn't recommend that no, for that, durability. No, that tire's not good for durability or it's flat protection. It's not durable. It's fast, but it's not durable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, can I read you another uh, viewer mail? This one, I mean, we've, we've actually got two more, but the, the uh, th- this one has to do with tires. And oh. So while we're on the subject, let me read this. This is from a friend of the pod. I'm new to the tube. I'm new to tubeless tires and mm-hmm. have noticed a slow leak in my rear tire, Hutchinson oh. Sector 28. Oh. If I inflate to 80 psi before a ride, I'm down to 55 psi after two hours. Okay. The tire was installed on a charity ride by a pro mechanic, and I am unsure what sealant was used or how much. Oh. I cannot find any obvious puncture or loss of sealant. Has my sealant dried up and won't seal properly? What should I do? I'd be tempted to add more sealant, but I've heard mixing sealant brands can yeah, be bad. That can help, be bad. Help me, Sir Cheerio. Okay. Uh, well, I would say first thing you want to do is probably you're going to want to take the tire off. You're going to have to take the tire off, get out that old sealant, put some new sealant in that you know that you have, and inflate it again. If you still have the same issue then it could be the matter that you actually have a slow leak somewhere. And I don't understand. How does it have a patch. slow leak? It's tubeless. It can do if it's got a big enough hole in it. But if you've got a big enough hole, you probably see it coming through. So yeah, I would think if if, uh, if it this probably person is... It's not sealed on the bead is what yeah, I'm thinking. You know, I mean, if it's, if it's got 80 PSI before a ride and after a two-hour ride still has 55 PSI, it's not losing air very fast. It's not it's losing, losing it very, very fast. Very slowly. It could be. It could also be losing it where the valve interfaces. Oh, that's or, a good point. Yeah, yeah. tighten the tighten the valve. But uh, I would go. Down. I would go with dumping a load more sealant in. But if you don't know what the sealant is, you're gonna have to get that old stuff out of there because you don't want to risk mixing them. Okay. Yeah. Here's so my suggestion: that. put a tube in it. Oh boy. 
Well, yeah. Okay. We'll get we'll get to that. <laughs> Living uh, in the, the past, the Bodie. We'll get to that at the end of the show because I think we're talking about some New Year's resolutions further on, and I've got a little something to say about that. Um, all right. Well, uh, so that about wraps up the tire talk part of this, but yeah. we um, we did get another viewer uh, email. Bodie, you want to read yeah, that one? Sure. Yeah, we actually have two more, guys. So wow. thanks, everybody, who's been writing in and with your questions. We like getting them. Uh, keep them coming. Please. K-Ride yeah, please gmail. do. .com. All right. So here, this is from our friend uh, Tricky Trav. Um, mm, out in Colorado. Yeah. Dear Yeah You Ride. Your recent discussion about whether or not Matt can wear T-Bone's extra championship jersey got me thinking, and I have a two-part question that I hope you can help me with. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me get something to write with. All right, two-parter. All right. Part one. My wife and fellow fan of the pod, all right, Kelly, recently won the Cat 5 Elite. Okay, I didn't notice the Cat 5 Elite (laughs) Cyclocross State Championships in Colorado. Well, we shouldn't laugh. Congratulations, Kelly. No, congrats to Kelly. I doubt it's called the Elite. Yeah, it reminds reminds me of my uh, Masters 4-5 Elite title that I won this year. I told her that if you win a Cat 5 State Championship, you have to cat up for the next year. I agree. Agreed. I agree. Which means you won't actually get to wear the championship jersey in any races because you technically will no longer be racing in the category for which you won. Mm. However, I did concede that it would be acceptable for her to wear the state champ jersey while on training rides, at least until the start of next season. Do you agree with this assessment? And if so, does she have to be trained on her cross bike or can she also wear while mountain biking and road biking? So let's answer this first question. So, uh, yes, you cannot wear that next year when you race right agreed correct two part you can wear a, on training rides correct um i i actually still wear my cat four five championship jersey from dsgp yeah absolutely question and something i haven't thought about can you wear on road rides or does it have to be on cross rides i uh, think you if you're if you're training and you're out having fun and it's a club ride or whatever you're doing uh regardless of the discipline that you're riding i'd, I'd say you can wear it I'd say strictly speaking, no, but I think we, I think with the I think we can allow this. Yeah, I think I think I wore my cross championship jersey on one of our festive five hundred four road road rides on my road bike because uh, it matched my bibs. Um, so yeah, we'll allow it. All right. Secondly, I have found myself in a similar dilemma to Sir Cheerios. Kelly has two jerseys. Because the first one they sent was too big. Mm. As a matter of fact, it fits me pretty well. Oh. As Kelly's pit mechanic, is it kosher for me to wear her extra state champ jersey while she's racing? Katie Compton's husband mechanic was wearing the Trek team jersey in the pits at Nats last week. I wonder if he ever borrows one of her 14 extra national championship jerseys. (laughs) Thank you in advance for imparting your wisdom. Sincerely, Tricky Trav. Well, I'll say, okay, that's a very, <laughs> there's, there's a couple of good points there. I would imagine Mark Legg never wears her national chaps jersey because he's a Kiwi. Yep. And uh, I would also say, I think it's perfectly fine for you to wear that jersey. Now, the, the, let, me, let me clarify. Uh, uh, is he talking about wearing it while she races to cheer her on? from either the pits or the, the, the behind well, the tape? Well, or is he talking about wearing can't it? wear it during races anyway. Yeah, so I, th- I think that sort of nullifies the first part is that you can't wear it at a race because she won't be wearing it at a race. I want to see them out riding together in his and hers matching jerseys. I want to see a photograph of Travis wearing Kelly's 
extra champs jersey <laughs> and you, Matt, wearing my extra champs jerseys out on a road ride with each other. Are we both going to wear matching jerseys? No, no, no. You're going to oh. be wearing my extra jersey, yeah. and Travis is going to be wearing. Uh, Why don't Kelly's you guys all go on a group ride, and you guys will all four of us? Yes. All four of us. Yeah. yeah. And Townsend, I'm going to lend you my extra bronze medal that I won <laughs> yeah. last year, and you can wear that as well. We can both so, wear those. So okay. So I, I think that no, Travis, you cannot <laughs> wear her jersey. I think the only time you can wear her jersey is maybe like around the house. Around the house, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're like working on her bike, um, vacuuming, yeah, sure. If you're doing stuff around the house, maybe maybe giving her a massage or making her like a high protein breakfast. Exactly. You're being you're helping her out, prep for the next race. Like post drive recovery shake, work Um, in the blender. You know, little birthday suit dance party whatever i think that's when you can wear i don't think you can really wear her jersey out in public because you didn't win that jersey but as her pit crew i mean you know he helped her win well she should buy him a watch or something like that uh, okay i yeah. mean he did bring up the mark leg point you know that yeah they he were was wearing... mark leg wasn't wearing her national champs jersey he was wearing the team kit so yeah that's he, completely legit. so he could wear kelly's team jersey yeah he can't wear her champs jersey. Yeah, that would be like if we were doing a, a cross race and Bodie was taking photos of the race, uh, he might wear a jersey and, and like jump in the pits and do something for us or, just like, you know, whatever during a cross race. Other interesting point. Well, I guess would, you're on the team. Let's, so you let, would be wearing that jersey. <laughs> also, let's not forget that uh, those jerseys that Mark Legg and uh, Katie Compton were wearing Never worn again. Yeah, one-offs. Yeah, complete one-offs. <laughs> yeah, we it's see. like, oh, no, we have to make a jersey for today. I know, right? <laughs> for the <laughs> one day of the for year. For one day. Um, all right, so one, we have uh, one more email um, that we actually missed. It sent to us on December 6th. Um, oh, this is a review that we got on uh, no, iTunes. No, this is the email. Oh, wow. We do have a review as well. Wow. We'll keep going. All right, so this is from our, our friend, J.D. White, friend of the pod. He said, hey, dudes. This guy needs to leave us alone, man. This is no, the no, second no, time he's hit us no, up no, this, no. this, this, this no, episode. We need fans. <laughs> We've got like two of them. Uh, I always enjoy listening to your podcast. The last few episodes have me wanting to point out a few things. Okay. Mm, okay. First, Bodie, you're, you're not 38, you're 37. Just thought I'd point that out. Okay, thank you. I think I probably was referring to race and age, but uh, thank you for reminding me. I always forget how old I am. Second, in response to the talk about which Star Wars character would ride tubeless, how are you going to ask this question and not even bring up the homie Luke? I can't believe you brought up Jar Jar Binks and not the young Jedi. What the fuck? You know Luke rocks the new tech because he is a young buck, so he's riding tubeless. Darth is old and stuck in his way, so he's rocking tubes with straighter stems. And Yoda rocks tubular because he's smart enough to be pro, but still holds on to his old beliefs. Mm. Well played, JD. Okay. All I right. That's, yeah, that, that's, I like it. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, yeah, All right. that's it. Signed off from the Great Northwest. Oh, I mean, he did say that he's excited to ride mountain bikes with me and Emily. So, um, so thank you. So you need you. a mountain bike, Bodie. Huh? You need a mountain bike now. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Add it to the collection of bikes I would like to get. Mm. Um, one more listener feedback before we move on. Uh, we got, and by move on, we mean wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. Uh, we got a review from Juby Taylor. Uh, All right. So thank you, Juby. We'll read your review. It's uh, the T-Bone, Sir Cherio, and Bodie Bodie bring an extensive 
conglomeration. I like that. We're like a mm. like a, like a we're like a company here. An international mm-hmm. conglomeration of cycling knowledge to the table. Their in-depth race reviews and steamy hot takes mm. keep me up to date on what is going on around the world and in my own backyard. The yeah, you ride podcast keep me much more interested in professional cycling. Keep up the good work. Well, Juby, thanks for that review and thanks for listening in and we'll continue this great work. Cheers, yeah. Juby. Um, guys, I think we, um, we've got some more stuff on the agenda, but maybe we'll just punt that to next week. Yeah, let's do that. Um, although you've, you've left a nice segue into, uh, local stuff that you be referred to, keeping them updated on local stuff. We got a local cross race coming up. Cross season isn't over here. We're still on the European schedule, right? That's right. Uh, we've got a, a cross race in Pensacola. Our good buddies uh, over there are throwing a race on January 19th. Uh, January 20th. January 20th? I think it's called Kitties and Pities. It's supporting the pities and the kitties. It's, uh, it's I, th- I guess, uh, supporting a, uh, I'm, I'm presuming an animal shelter or, or something? I believe so. I yeah. probably should have pulled a flyer up in front of me. But uh, you yeah. can go to USAC, uh, click on Florida. Uh, there's a race. Pre-reg is open. They've got all kinds of good categories. I'm going to be racing in the Masters 35+. plus. Yeah. Mm. My first Masters race. Mm. So... Uh, I would love to be there. I may not be able to attend that one, unfortunately. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, but I, I really wanted to, but uh, apparently I have a, a conflict. Well, you're dead to them now. Yes. I will be there. Uh, be my second year racing that race. I need to redeem myself. I had a perfectly awful race I believe last this is year. The first, this is the first year of this race. Oh, this is not the one that's at the... Um, uh, I don't know what that or, uh, venue was. What's the venue? The, the Pit of Carcoon. No, not the Pit of Carcoon, and not the not the Equestrian Park, but it's at uh, what's the name of the park that it's at, Bodie? You got the flyer in front of you? Uh, nope. Okay. Ashton Bron Bronsnaham. Yeah, Ashton Brosnaham. That's the the park that it was at last year. Okay. So well, pretty- I think that was a different race and different organizer. Maybe a different organizer, oh. but I guess it's my. It'll be my second year. In a, at roughly this time, because it was the third weekend in January last year as well. Same time, same venue. So it'll be my second second year going to this venue, uh, whether it's organized by the same people or not. I had a terrible race there last year. It was the day after the Hattiesburg um, Mississippi Gravel Cup race, and I was just blown up and uh, almost didn't go and went and then wished I hadn't. I did so badly. So I need uh, to I need to redeem myself. So quick question. Are you going to race in the men's 1-2-3s, the Masters 35 plus 45 plus, or the men's 3-4 now that you're a Cat 3? Well, I think the men's 3-4 is at the same time as the Masters 35 and 45 plus. Yeah, which one are you going to sign up for? Uh, Masters 30, uh, 45 plus. All right, all right. Yeah, so I'll be racing with you. Good, sounds good. All right. I'm excited. All right, um, Matt, I feel like you were looking heartbroken over there. Hey, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're, this is the start of a new year. We've just sent, said goodbye to an old year. And, uh, you know, what are some of the, our personal highlights of the year and what are our pro highlights of the year? Sure, we can close out with that. You know, we could almost do like a little uh, sign-off, we'll sort of a, a long extended sign-off. Mm. Okay. Where we talk about that, Matt, why don't you, this is, uh, this is your bit, why don't, you, why don't you go first? All right, well, I'm going to start off with my, my personal highlight of the year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restrict it, obviously, you know, winning another two more medals, you know, this, this <laughs> last year was, was spectacular. But I think, you know, on a personal level, on my cycling, these are cycling moments. Uh, 
I think my highlight was building up my boon. That thing has been so much fun to ride. Yeah, congratulations on that, Matt. It's a beautiful bike. You did a great job. You you got a frame and you you built the whole frame up. Yeah. I had a little help from my good friend Tim at Bicycle Michaels on some of the uh, trickier bits, but uh, yeah, it's been it was a it was a real uh, fun project to work on, and I love riding that thing. Yeah, I'm surprised you were able to put that motor in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That thing's awful light. I don't think it's got a motor. Yeah, I think it's just straight carbon. Uh, well, my personal cycling moment of the year, I would say, I, it would have to be winning my first ever bicycle race mm, yeah um which was a wire to wire win in uh vanderpool style van yeah vanderpool style got the whole shot and never looked back but you uh, crashed no van- no, 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 no. Oh, you're talking about spooky cross yeah i was talking about spooky cross uh the race i crashed in i ended up finishing second to uh shannon estes uh but uh yeah, winning that race and, and, and not just winning a category, but actually coming first across the line. And, and Bodie, I want to give you a little shout out for being there at the finish line and, and capturing that photograph and then posting it months later. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean that because it was you posted it sort of like as a year end memory. And, yeah, uh, that's true. And, and that was really nice and it meant a lot. And, and that was my personal moment of the year. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, I'm going to say my personal cycling and I'm going to stick to race and i'm gonna stick to cross uh was in pedal when i gave it all and was able to come back and get fifth in the one two threes uh, third from last um but uh that was a race where i felt like giving up a few times Mm. and i just didn't give up and i went as hard as i possibly could go and then the day before uh, we had did swamp otter and i got last out of four um so it felt like a bit of a redemption, and I beat all the guys who beat me the day before, and I felt like I raced a really good race, and that was a pretty awesome accomplishment. And speaking nice. of mementos like photographs, there's a great video of you in that mm. race making a tremendous passing move on, I believe, Joe Dabbs. Uh, or no, who'd you pass? Brian, Brian Harrington. Brian Harrington yeah. through the sand. Uh, through right? the sand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of Matthew Vanderpoel, it was very Vanderpoel-esque. Okay. What's next, Matt? What is your pro moment of the year? Pro cycling moment of the year. So I'll go first with this. Uh, feeling you guys might not agree with this. And I'm going to say my pro cycling moment of the year, because it's something we don't really see very often. And I'm going to say it was Chris Froome's attack on La Finestra, winning that stage uh, and winning the Giro was pretty astonishing, phenomenal. Uh, well, look, I think that's a, a that's a that's a great pick. Um, my pick for pro cycling moment of the year, um, I'm going to say, is going to be John Degenkolb's win in the Tour de France. I don't remember what stage of that race it was. It was the uh, it was the cobbled stage into Roubaix. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Um, and just all the adversity that he's uh, been through with his crash and his injury and his very long road to come back, uh, seeing him win that race and his reaction afterward, um, nothing like seeing a grown man weep uh, like that uh, in uh, after a bike race. So I'll, I'll pick uh, Degenkolb and the, uh, and the crying victory in uh, Roubaix. Yeah. 
I almost picked another grown man weeping and out in mm. Michael Woods uh, winning stage 17. I was going to mention that. That's a great moment. I think that I'm going to go with, I'm going to stick with Suck Across, and I'm going to go with the Trek World Cup, um, the battle between Marion Voss and, um, you know, old school and new school, Ellen Noble, mm. and that and to, to be there in person, uh, to take photos, uh, to Ellen Noble crashing the barriers, and then not losing and then just how it went down to the last lap uh just all around great race to interview them afterwards in the press conference just a really awesome cycling experience i wonder if that would be ellen noble's personal moment of the year (laughs) i don't know speaking of personal moments of the year to answer your question yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably yeah she really liked answering my question um, okay, was there another category? All right, guys, what's your your resolutions for this year? Uh, my New Year's resolution is to go one, one of my New Year's resolutions is to go 100% tubeless this year. So, Whoa. Bodie, I'm not getting tubes. That's not the answer. I'm, in fact, getting rid of all of my tubes other than the emergency spare tube I'm going to ride with. Wait, so was it you who, who had that question that we just, that Matt answered? <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I was saying, you were, you were saying that to, to this to this person who asked, who asked that question, you should get tubes. And I'm saying to you, I'm not following that advice personally. I'm going to get rid of all of my tubes. So proud of you right now. <laughs> um, I had three flats over the Festive 500 period. Uh, I'm virtually convinced beyond a shadow of any doubt that none of those three flats would have happened had I been riding a tubeless tire. They would have immediately sealed. It was all just like little, little teeny pinprick road debris punctures, uh, and and I'm sure all of those would have instantly sealed. I would have never even known that I had them had I been riding tubeless tires. Guess how many flats I had over my 477 kilometers. I'm going to guess zero because you're trying to make a point about tubes. <laughs> zero um, flats. Yeah. I can't even tell you the last time I got a flat. Look, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I got a flat before this festive period, you know, but it just, they happen. And when they happen like that, and as many times in a row as they happen. You did double flat on that ride. That was terrible. And then I flatted the next day on the final day of the festive five. So oh. anyway, I have many other New Year's resolutions. I actually made a list and I posted it on the group page. If anybody wants to see what my other resolutions are, you can go to Semi-Tough CC on Facebook. Uh, but Matt, how about you? Well, I mean, I have a standard New Year's resolution, which is to eat more soup as my general New Year's resolution. But I think uh, for the, from a not really cycling specific, that one. Yeah. So uh, I think for me, I'm going to go with my New Year's resolution is to... Be able to fit back into my race jersey. Oh, uh, I put on a little timber. That's uh, good. The last few months. All right. Yeah. I hope you. I hope you have a plan to do that. Yeah, I was going to say that's yeah. what they would refer to as an output goal. You need to <laughs> define the input goals that are going to lead you to that output goal. Right. Well, I've just I've defined the output goal. Well, you said more soup, so maybe you're thinking the, the input is the is the issue. So yeah, yeah. the uh, uh, less input, more output. All right. Well, my my cycling goal is to learn how to wheelie, mm-hmm. like oh, I like actually that. get some Chris Reed style wheelies. I don't know if you guys remember a certain race where I tried a bunch of wheelies when I was off the back, and I really they were pretty poor and pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to learn how to wheelie this year. So Chris Reed or anybody else who can wheelie, 
will you teach me how to do it? Awesome. Okay, guys. I think I think that's it. That's yep. it. Um, Next week, everybody, be prepared for a rousing, rousing segment of Trash or Panache because yes. we've got a lot of pro cycling Oof. kit that's being debuted over the last week and over this next week, we'll see start seeing even more. So, big Trash or Panache segment coming up next week. Look out for that. That's gonna be hot. Uh, but for now, I'm gonna sign off saying this is the T Bone uh, saying I am not buying any more tubes <laughs> and this is uh, cheerio saying uh thanks for listening to us for the last year and i hope you keep listening to us this year and this is the buddy buddy saying yes thank you so much for listening if you have any questions comments or concerns you can always write to us at yeah you ride at gmail.com remember yeah is y-e-a-h um you can also send a slide into our dms uh on instagram um, and my other resolution is to learn how to bunny hop. See you next week.